Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? Hey, Jackie, it's going very well. Is that so? Why is that? Well, Chelsea are winning again, so... <laughs> I was half expecting you to say that. <laughs> nothing nothing else matters. It's just about the win. Nothing like a win to get us excited and back and smiling and excited on this podcast, huh? Exactly, especially when they've been so rare to come by. Yeah, this uh, past year, at least towards the end of the year, has been pretty difficult. So I think we'll take what we can get. So why don't we just get kicked off then? Let's do it. So Chelsea played Morecambe in the FA Cup third round. And a, a, an expected victory, I would say. But, you know, to see some of the starting players make the make the 11 in Werner and, and Havertz and Ziyech was, was good in that Lampard felt that this was a good time for them to run out and, and get some confidence. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely an expected victory. I think both of us predicted wins. The game ended up being 4-0. I think I predicted 3-0 and you were 3-1 or 4-1 or something like that. So... Not too far off from what we were looking at. Um, before we really dive into the game, why don't you take us through what the full starting lineup was? Yeah, so I already mentioned a few, but Kepa started in goal. And Espelicueta, Zuma, Rudiger, and Emerson. You may hear some surprise in my voice when I said Zuma, so we'll get into that. Havertz, Billy Gilmore, and Mason Mount in midfield. And then Ziyech, Werner, and Hudson-Odoi completing the eleven. Yeah, so why don't we dissect that first 11 and figure out exactly who he picked and what your thoughts and what my thoughts are on this because you got very excited to say Zuma and I don't think it's excitement necessarily, but surprise. Definitely surprise. I I did not expect Zuma to be playing this game. I definitely didn't think Silva would, so I was right on that. But Zuma coming in was a, a surprise because he's rested Silva and Zuma together in the past and so... I thought maybe Tamori would definitely feature in this game, at least from the start, but maybe he wasn't fit enough and they, he didn't really have another option but to play Zuma. Yeah, but with all due respect to Morecambe, I don't know if Tamori is not fit as far as injury, but maybe enough to start the game off. I was surprised, to be honest with you, completely. Uh, another one that did surprise me was Mason Mount. He's played a lot of football. I was expecting maybe a Jorginho or maybe even a Kovacic to get this game. Havertz, I can understand why he played just to get the minutes and whatnot. But Mason Mount did play a lot of football in this past 2020. So surprised by his start as well. Same, same here, but I think Mason Mount is quickly or has quickly turned into one of Lampard's trusted players. And, and I think anytime he's fit with knock on wood, Mason Mount stays fit. He features. So, and his, his fate was repaid by the first goal. Absolutely. And then finally, the big one that we were kind of having a toss up on in the middle was uh, Timo Werner. Uh, both of us kind of had mixed opinions on whether he should sit out the game completely or maybe get a little bit of a run out in the end. But to our surprise, he actually started the game. Yeah, I, w- I was definitely surprised by that. And he started and and was OK. I wouldn't say he was totally uh awesome but he did okay and got his goal so I think all in all that Lampard got what he had set out for and especially with Werner was get him some confidence yeah absolutely I agree with that so why don't we run through the goals just to touch on that yeah so the first goal comes from Mason Mount in the 18th minute a good shot drive from outside the box and and goes right in and, and opens the account for the day and and that was I think a good point to score because Morecambe were had gotten a good start. And so for us to get the goal almost settled our nerves and made us feel like we can now push on to the next level. Yeah. And that goal was shades of super Frank himself. Actually, when I saw Mason kind of line it up and almost saw the opening and went for a hit, which was exciting to see. Cause I think one of the things we haven't seen this season is people taking chances from outside the box. We almost seem to want to cross it in for a header or, do a couple of passes and walk into the net. So it's exciting to see Mason taking a shot from outside the box. It's almost like if you if you don't buy a lottery ticket, how are you going to win, right? So he took a chance and it was a great shot, I must say. Definitely. And then the second one comes from Ziyech with the diagonal into Havertz, who ran into the box and got his head onto it, which was good to see because I've, I've complained in the past that 
he hasn't driven into the box like he he can. And so I think that was another goal for Lampard in this game that get Havertz more involved in the in the attacking plays. So that was good. And he knocks it down from a header into Timo Werner, who who really just has a tap in. But when things aren't going for you, even a tap in feels great. Absolutely. And I got to say about Havertz, there are two things. And at risk of repeating myself on previous players, he did remind me a little bit of Michael Balak with that far post run and header. But the other thing is, I think he needs to do that more because he's a tall lad. So him being in there, he's actually one of the tallest players of the front that play, unless you've got Juro Tammy starting. He can really be somebody where when the wingers are looking for a ball, even if he's not putting the net, he can do the knockdown. And I'm not necessarily saying he needs to be a center forward per se, but use your height while you have it. It's definitely an advantage for the team. Yeah, totally. And and I think it adds another element into attack with having him run into the box, so especially with Ziyech putting in the ball, which is 99% of the time very accurate. So that was good. And, and we go into the half 2-0 up. And right after the half, another Ziyech ball into Hudson-Odoi. So good to see Ziyech finding his feet again. And, and Hudson-Odoi finishes it and puts us three up in the 49th minute. Yeah, and a comment on that one is when I see Hakim Ziyech play, the first ball to... Havertz was kind of from more of the right side of the pitch for this particular goal. He actually sits pretty deep, which I think we covered this a few episodes ago. We're looking for someone to be creative from the middle of the park. Now I'm not saying he's a midfielder or necessarily going to play centrally, but it was nice to see him tuck in and kind of just throw that ball over the top from deep. We've missed that. And it just unlocks the defense when someone's sitting really deep and kind of compact. For sure. And, and nothing to take away from Hudson Adore's run who gives Ziyech that outlet to, to put it over Werner and have Ziyech run in, I'm sorry, Hudson Adore run in behind him and score. So uh, Hudson Adore is a man in form and, and deservedly gets a goal. Yep. I was actually saving my praise for Callum Hudson Adore. That's honestly, I think in the last couple of games, even when we were struggling, he was maybe him and Pulisic, but he was definitely stand out. Um, the runs he makes, the up and down, he gets down the the side of the wings cutting in, just overall enthusiastic. He can go by people. So for me, I think he's really pushing. Now, I know Pulisic is, is finally fit, knock on wood. You, you don't want to ever, you know, rule out that he's going to get injured or not. And now you've got Hakim Ziyech coming back. But I think hudson Adoy is really pushing to get the starting lineup uh, going forward. Yeah, totally. And I have a question for you on that once we're kind of done reviewing the goals and, and the game. So let's just head into the last goal, which was, Havertz getting a goal and and that came in the 85th minute yeah that's well deserved I think on the way he played that particular game it is only against Morecambe again full apologies there's no need to be disrespectful but we're talking about a golf in class here my only concern with this is is Havertz going to take this and move forward into the Premier League the Champions League and I mean even other teams in the FA Cup and going on into tougher opponents because we saw Havertz do this, I forget against who, early on the season when he scored a hat-trick and he looked world-class. But again, being world-class against lesser opposition isn't what we necessarily want. And we have to give him time, obviously, but we need to see this kind of performance where he's hustling, bustling, getting into the box against the Premier League teams as well. But well-deserved on the basis of the game. Totally. And so we go ahead and win this 4 nothing, and, and a good win, like I said, not the best performance, but... At, at this point, a win is good, and, and we would take that and, and go ahead with uh, Timo Werner getting a goal, Havertz getting a goal, ending their droughts, Hudson Adoy continuing his good form as well as Mason Mount. And and this is the biggest thing out of this was Kepa kept a clean sheet for the first time since July 2020. That's been a long time, huh? It has. Now, granted, he hasn't played much towards the end of the year last year, but he must also feel good about, you know, coming back into the team and keeping a clean sheet when Mendy hasn't in the last few games. Yeah, and there was not too much for him to do in the whole game, but I remember early on, Morecambe did have a good opportunity, and I think Kepa was pretty alert to that. So, again, if this is something that can help all of these players that are struggling struggling recently or in, in the past year or so build a little bit of confidence and go from that, I'm all for it. Definitely nothing wrong with that. Same here. So... A good game, and, and I have a couple of questions for you. So I'm going to start off with 
it was it was a lineup that surprised surprised us in that some players we didn't expect to start started. So, do you think he went with too strong of a lineup? Absolutely, I think the lineup was way too powerful for Morecambe, and I think there are a couple of reasons. Actually, there are more than a couple of reasons for this. Honestly, first and foremost, I think the whole process of going through some of these players that are struggling for form, fitness, and just getting their morale overall up from what's been, you know, a bad December and and heading into 2021 as well. He wanted to pick the players that are somewhat part of his first 11 or even his first 18 and let them build the morale. So I think that's one of the major reasons. The other thing I understood was typically we can reach into our youth system and pull more. Now I know he did. I know he did pull some youth players, but I think you can pull more youth players out of the youth system but my understanding is because of the bubble rules of COVID, you cannot necessarily take everybody out of the youth system and, and sit them out. But again, it's what we touched on. We had five center backs. Okay, Christensen's out injured. I'm not sure Zuma needed to start this one. Maybe Aspiliqueta could have get you know not started from the beginning. You could put a young right back in. Where's Kovacic? Where's Jorginho? A little bit surprised by that as well. So a lot of interesting things then. And do you think he trusts his second squad or his maybe not his first starters, I guess is, is the term I'm asking. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely think it was a very strong lineup and I don't think we really needed to go with some of the players we went with, but that that's Lampard's decision. And, and what the four nil win, we can't really question it, but I definitely agree with you. I think a, a few more younger players, even at least on the bench. I mean, the really only young players on the bench were Tino Angerin, who's already featured a, a couple of times this season, and and Tamori. And I say Tamori because he hasn't really featured at all. So even just seeing him on the bench feels good. But coming back to the question of trust, I think he really just wanted to use this game. I think he knew we would win it. And he just wanted to use this game to to pump in some confidence into some of these guys that are going to be playing next week and the week after in that he knows Pulisic doesn't need to be playing this game. He's already feeling good and doing good. He knows Tammy Abraham and Giroud have been pretty good this season in, in, in spots. And so Werner really needs to get that confidence and the goal. And he does Ben Chilwell. I'm glad he didn't even see the pitch because he's played a lot and Emerson deserved it. And Mason Mount could have used the rest, and I think Jorginho could have come in. But I think with Billy Gilmore playing, Lampard preferred to have someone more hardworking. I say that in quotes because I don't want to say Jorginho doesn't work hard. But Mason Mount just has that extra amount of energy that he brings. So I, I, I don't really want to go into too much about, oh, Lampard could have done better with the lineup. We won, and that's about it. So we'll see what he does for the next rounds and, and what, he, what happens going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, big shout out to Emerson. I thought he performed really well. Again, maybe he can get more football as the season progresses because he's definitely one that fits into the style and the work rate that Lampard is looking for. Definitely. And he's definitely good attacking wise too. So I, I think he's staking a claim at least to be in the FA Cup team for now. Right, absolutely. So the next question I have for you, and this is a little more future focused with the games coming or should Hudson Adoy be starting from now on? And if he does with Ziyech back and Pulisic firing on all cylinders, or at least getting close to his potential, where do we fit Hudson Adoy in? So I think this is kind of a yes and no question. I think on the basis of his current form and performances, I definitely think he needs to start or get a run in the game, but you also have to look at when Pulisic is explosive he is somebody who can change the match in the blink of an eye. So what does that mean? Can he start some of the games? Absolutely. But also, can we use him as an opportunity to manage Pulisic? Because we know he's injury prone. So if Pulisic starts a game, for example, and we're winning 2-0, 3-0, which we haven't seen in quite a bit of time in the Premier League. But if we're winning 2 or 3-0, sometimes I always wonder, Lampard saves Hudson-Odoi for the 85th minute. Maybe Hudson Odoi can come on at halftime if we're winning 2 0, or he can come on in the 60th minute and get more game time. If we're not going to start him, because to be perfectly honest, I think Hudson Odoi and Pulisic are similar in that they go past players and they offer a burst of pace. 
I think Hakim Ziyech is different in that he will come in deep and give diagonal balls. So I think he offers something different. So now we're looking at Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi. I think you can you can rotate them evenly, and I think definitely manage Pulisic better. If you're winning a game, give him a chance to sit it out and let Hudson-Odoi get more game time. Because at this point, you really, really want to get him involved towards the end of the season because of that energy level. And I actually heard a little quote or comment from him saying he actually feels that every time he plays, he's getting back to his full fitness and his full agility of what we had when Maurizio Sarri was really bringing him through a few seasons ago. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would rather see Cho play on the left or right versus having us play Werner out there. I think that doesn't work. And we are at a point where we have two, three fit wingers that can easily put in, put in a shift and, and do the job better than Werner on the left. And I, I 100% agree with you on the rotation point between Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi. And in a way, you can just use them against each other. So Pulisic, look at Hudson-Odoi. He's just scored again. He scored against Man City. Yes, we lost. He assisted against Arsenal. Motivate them to, to compete against each other and give their best on the field, which in turn helps the team and the club. And yes, it provides Lampard more of a headache in terms of selection, but you'd rather have informed players to select from than forcing it and playing players out of form. Yeah, I think that analysis is spot on, but I want to come back to the Timo Werner point. I think he should not be playing the wing. I think he can offer a lot more going down the middle. Just because you look at Tammy Abram and Giroud, they are similar-ish players. So in a game where you need somebody speedy to play in between the lines, get in behind without necessarily over the top, you need Werner to kind of focus on this position. Can he play the wing? Yes. Can he play as a second striker? Absolutely. But what are we trying to do with him long-term is also a big question. And if Giroud is 33-34 and may not stay past the season, you've got your big center forward in Tammy Abraham. And yes, I'm saying that because I've not always been a fan of Tammy. But then you have an alternative striker style to Timo Werner. So as far as Hudson-Odoi goes and coming full circle to him, yes, he needs to be ahead of Werner for sure for a stake in the claim for the wings position. And then your analysis against Pulisic is great because if they can use each other to motivate each other, and I don't think it causes animosity. I think it builds an internal rivalry in the squad that let me see what I can do to get back into the team. And, and I think it will work. Yeah, and, and I think Mourinho in his first stint benefited from that kind of rivalry and, and competition from places. So I think that's an area that Lampard's got to get both players competing against each other. And, and on Werner, I, that actually was my next question was what did this game and result and his goal consequently mean for him and actually for Havertz going forward? After watching the game and trying to understand it from more of a neutral perspective or not excited expect, uh, perspective. I don't think it means a whole lot, to be very honest with you. I think it's nice for him to get a goal. It's nice for Havertz to get a goal and assist and really dominate the game for once. But it's not the level of opposition I'm expecting this two kind of world-class players or big money transfers to perform against. So I don't think it means a whole lot in... Does it help their morale? Yes. Does it mean that they're you know in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. But does it mean they are changed and they need to start automatically? I'm on the fence over here. I'd much rather see Tammy or Giroud who have on a more consistent level performed. And again, Werner has played a lot of football. I keep coming back to that. So if he scored in this game, maybe he sits out the next one just to take a break. Yes, your confidence is up. Let's not just throw you back in there kind of absorb this a little bit. Same with Kai Havertz, absorb it a little bit and see where it goes. But I, I don't think, I don't think we're over the hump just yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know they both scored in this game and I'm, I'm going to touch on Werner for just a second. I still, from what I saw, was not very impressed with the movement and with the ability to drive into the box and that there's going to be a cross coming. I need to anticipate and, and get into the box. There was always a, a little staying short and and not making that run. Yes, we benefited that from that in the third goal. But as a striker, I want to see you pushing in and, and trying to get into the box or at least getting closer to the goal. And I'm not seeing that with him. And, and I'm almost wondering if at this point, Lampard and his staff know what exactly to do with Werner and how to 
base our tactics for him. So I know that's a different question and, and a different topic altogether, but I think you're right. With with the games coming, we need to see Giroud and Tammy in that central position because they, they bring a more holistic and complete approach to the game and team. And with Havertz, I think this would do him a lot better than it would do Werner because he was involved with an assist. He was involved with the goal. He was involved with more of our positive play overall than, than Werner was, I would say. And I think he, he being Havertz, can use this as the springboard to say, yes, I've had a rough season, but now I can maybe take it to the next game and focus on that and see how it goes and then build off of that slowly and get into more of a consistent performance level. Yeah, and honestly, I think we call it rough season. I think they've had okay seasons. I don't think they've been horrendous or flops of the season. I know we've got fans that are telling us to vote on them. I think that comes with the territory of the amount of money we play, paid for them. I was looking at some of the statistics for Warner. He's he's not that far off from what Drogba achieved in his first season, to be very honest with you. And we had some frustrations with Didier Drogba, mainly because he was more of a flopper, you would say, because anytime he would get a touch, he'd fall down. But that came with him learning the Premier League is physical. And if you touch if you touch a player, you don't have to go down because you're not going to get the goal or get, the, get the, the foul is what I mean by that. So it doesn't mean so much, but I think for Havertz, bossing around the game will give him confidence that he can control a game. But again, I want to see this in the Premier League. And just to come full circle on Werner, it's the same point I have for Callum Hudson-Odoi, maybe he's the one coming off the bench in the 70th or 80th minute when maybe we're 3-0 up, 4-0 up. Again, knock on wood, we need to see that. And there's more space in behind for him to run into at that point because the other teams are you know, countering or coming out to try and get a goal. I agree. And I don't want to read too much into it and say, oh, now we're back and our confidence is up because it's really more of no disrespect. And I think the players and, and coach realize that. So uh, my next question was, what does this result mean for Lampard in the future? But I think we've touched on it with with the, the discussion around the players is that it gives confidence to Lampard as well, gives confidence to the squad as a whole. And they know that whatever happened in December and January, in the, right in the first week, few days of January against City, is behind them now. And we've just got to focus on what's to come and, and build another run like we did from October through early December and get through some of these games convincingly, not just scrape them 1-0 or 2-1 and, and be uncomfortable. Yeah, and to that point, I think your stance, my stance, the Premier Chelsea stance has always been Frank Lampard should be continuing, not on the basis of these couple of results. And I know it was a tough December, but everybody involved needs to come over the hump. Does this particular result mean we're over the hump? And when I mean are we over the hump, are we back to winning ways yes for for the level of opponent we played but I think I want to see maybe two or three more games and when I say the next few games I don't necessarily go out and thrash them five I mean compete show us what you're made of even if we go off on a draw and then a couple of wins or a couple of draws and a win just like we did in the beginning of the season that's what I want to see but as far as the future for Frank I think he needs to finish out the season and then reevaluate in the summer and when you say revalue in the summer, it isn't going out and buying a million players. The same thing with January. It's just checking out who's fit. How did the how did the season look overall? Is the formation working? Which which I think it is. It's just a matter of the confidence and, and kind of go from there. I agree. And and he has a good measuring stick in that we have two Premier League games now, and then we have the FA Cup again. So it's like, okay, you did well in the FA Cup, move that over to the Premier League, again the FA Cup. And so I think that will come with time. And I, I, I really think we can use this game, again, not to get carried away, but as a springboard to restart our season. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So the last question, and really not a question, is is more of a reaction to a silly comment during the rounds in, in, in the media recently is Alexi Lalas, the American ex-American player, made a comment this past weekend, which was, Pulisic is being wasted at Chelsea. So I just wanted to get your reaction on that and, and, and just discuss that for just a minute or so. Yeah, so personally, I'm not a fan of Alexi Lalas. I think he says a lot of things that are controversial without always understanding 
what goes into the decision. In this case, we're talking about Pulisic. I think the, the comment is quite ridiculous, to be frank, because Pulisic fell out of favor at Borussia Dortmund because of inconsistencies, especially surrounding injury. You've got Jaden Sancho coming in, who was brilliant and almost replaced him as the out-and-out star or winger or whatever you want to call it. He made a big money move to Chelsea. And I was one of the most frustrated people when he moved in because at that time, I was like, why pay so much money for him to sit on the bench? But I think, again, time will tell if my comments here are correct, but, but I think it was a brilliant decision. I think it gave the young man, which counter counter to to Havertz and Werner, it gave the young man a lot of time to be hidden from the spotlight, where if he came in right away and performed poorly, they would have just beaten him. And and when I say they, Alexi Lalas would be one of the first people to shame him and make comments about him on, on his pundit job. So I think he was managed brilliantly in the fact that he sat out for a little bit to just get used to training in England, the weather, of, of course, language is not a big deal, but I haven't heard Pulisic said the food here is weird. Look, you've lived in Germany for several years as a youngster. Everything is different. So they managed him so well that when Project Restart started, other than Bruno Fernandes, I don't think there was a better individual player in Project Restart. I think he was fantastic. And of course, on the brink of this new season, he was our starter. He was our golden boy. And unfortunately, an injury hit him and he comes back and he's playing well again. So where the comment comes from as air quotes being wasted, I'm just not sure what he's alluding to. And I have to be honest, I didn't hear the, the whole comment or understand the context behind it. But if I'm reading it the way it's supposed to sound, I, I just don't understand where that's coming from. Yeah, and it, it, it's coming at a wrong time. It's that Chelsea as a whole are not having a good time. So to say a one player is being wasted because the rest of the team or or even Pulisic hasn't scored and, and done extremely well in this period. It's It's been a whole squad thing. And for everything you just said, I, I agree with you 100%. And I really think Alexi Lalas is using a bad time to benefit off of getting back into the spotlight. But you know what? You look you look at this period where we've been struggling, and I think you and I have gone through and said, let's talk about the matter of match. We like to do that at the end of every game. I think Pulisic has been mentioned every single time as an option for man of the match because his work rate, his energy, the attempts he does. And one thing I love about Pulisic, and I know this is dragging away from Alexi Lalas's comments, and I hope it does because I don't really want to talk about that guy too much, is every time something goes wrong or he makes a mistake, I can see it in his face, the frustration of, I need to do better. And you bet your, you know, whatever it is that when he goes to play for the United States, they're watching that, that he's a passionate young man that really wants to do better with every kick of the ball. It's not going to affect his career in a U.S. shirt. He's just going to get better and better and better. I agree with you. And, and I think we've spent enough time on on this silly and ridiculous comment. So, so let's move on. You just mentioned man of the match. So for me, this game, man of the match was Hudson Adoy. Yeah, he's a good shout, but I got to give a big shout out to Hakim Ziyech. I think he gives such a different um, style that we've been missing. And another big one to Kai Havertz, who really, for me, bossed that game, especially getting into the box with the head. But, you know, Kalam hudson has been brilliant in the last few games, so definitely worth it. Yeah, so that that's the FA Cup third round roundup and, and a good win. And that earns us a tie in the fourth round against Luton Town at home. And that will be pay, played the weekend of January 23rd. So a lot of games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then if we win that game, we go into the fifth round and would have an away tie against Barnsley or North City. And that would be around February 9th or 10th to be determined. So a good draw. I, I think we should be backing ourselves to at least make it into the past the fifth round. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just reading the names and we know a little bit about Barnsley, Norwich, Luton. They're all decent teams, but on paper and watching what we've done to Morecambe, I think we should be moving past these teams for sure. For sure. So that that's the, the Chelsea side of, of the next couple of FA Cup fixtures. Just before we get into some of the other standout uh, draws for the, for the fourth round, just summing up the third round results, just want to touch on a couple of them. So Sheffield United, Jackie, have finally won a game after six months. (laughs) 
that is exciting to say. Unfortunately, as I look through the game and the results, I wish they could have kept a clean sheet because that would have done them a world of good as well. But look, it's just like we said against uh, Chelsea. A win is a win. Hopefully they can take this. And honestly, I don't see how they're going to survive the Premier League at this point. But you would hope and you would think that at least they can do something to just bring some joy to their fans, whether it's several wins towards the end of the season. Go down fighting is what I say. And, and good kudos to them. Yeah, totally. And and so just the result was a 3-2 win for Sheffield against Bristol Rovers. And like I said, first win in six months and 100th win for Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. So maybe that's what they were waiting for in terms of making a decision about him. But no, hey, I, I wish them all the best and I hope they use this to kind of rebuild their Premier League season. The next game, not to touch too much on it, but Man United won one nothing on Watford. Kind of a, a, an okay game, really. Uh, the next one was Arsenal versus Newcastle. And we did say Newcastle would put up a good fight. And they did, 90 minutes, and, and it ended nil-nil. And I, I have to be honest, they had the much better chances to at least win that in, in 90 minutes. But they lost 2-0 after goals and extra time from Emil, Smith-Rowe, and Aubameyang. Yeah, and that's one thing that we need to touch on with Arsenal is they're now getting that steal back of never give up. Now, obviously, Newcastle had the better chances in 90 minutes or not, but I think an Arsenal of four, five, six games ago maybe would have rolled over and let them win. But just, you know, staying in the game right till the last minute and trying to get the goals, it, it's great to see. Really, you know, credit to Arsenal there and just coming back from a negative patch. Yeah, they, they're welcome for for getting <laughs> them back on track. Uh, and so the biggest shock of this third round was Crawley Town beating Leeds United 3-0. I saw that and I I had to read the score twice because I didn't know if it was Leeds or I misread it and it was a different team from the fourth or fifth division. Honestly, knowing what we know about Leeds and the amount of research that Marcelo Bielsa does, I was honestly, you know, shocked that something like that could happen i guess there wasn't enough research out there on crawley <laughs> town and so that that would explain why they lost but that's a shocker and and for leads how good they've been in the premier league this season this one's gonna hurt absolutely and when you say there's not enough research out there i thought they played a famous a famous a man or something on there he, he, i'm sure he's on been on tv and whatnot you could just watch tv and find out who they were going to play Yes, you're you're referring to reality TV star Mark Wright, who I mean he came on in the 90th minute, but uh, he's he's featured on British television a number of shows, and and that's kind of where he gets his fame from. But then he moved back and and got back into football and playing semi professionally, which is what he was doing before he got into TV. So he's been back and forth and and comes on in the 90th minute to Mark off the game for Crawley and, and congratulations to them. They, they earned it. It's the magic of the FA cup, my friend, you can't see this anywhere else. <laughs> it definitely is. And, and the last game was, we touched on this in the preview was Marine FC versus Spurs. And it was no surprise that Spurs won five, nothing. But what really was a surprise was, was the football ground they played at and the surroundings. You know, I actually watched this entire game for the reasons you just touched on was the football ground, the surroundings, the fans. This was brilliant, in my opinion, and really touches the magic of the FA Cup. Like I was saying, as the as the camera is panning from left to right, there are people sitting in their backyard, sipping on wine and champagne and beers because the football pitch literally backs up to people's backyards, which is brilliant because a lot of them were watching Gareth Bale playing from the backyard. It was ridiculous. And honestly, some of the cool things I saw was, I don't know if you noticed this, as you walk through the pitch, there are numbers hung up on the nets on the side of the pitch. 21, 37, 55. Those are the corresponding numbers of the house address so that when someone kicks the ball over the net, the ball boy knows he has to run across, knock on number 24 and say, hey, the ball got in your backyard. Can you chuck it over? This was brilliant. It it definitely was, and and I watched the whole game too just for that aspect. I hated watching Spurs scoring and and Carlos Vinicius pulling out the Mbappe celebration. <laughs> he did score a hat trick, so I guess I guess he doesn't play much, and he's got to do what he's got to do. But Marine fans had a great time. 
One of them even showed up with the Jurgen Klopp cutout at one point, which was funny to see. And so they, they made a day out of it. And I've got to give credit to Spurs who helped Marine with a, a virtual ticket uh, purchase. And they purchased about 30,000 tickets online. And Marine also had, a, I believe, a raffle or something going around where if you bought it, you get a chance to coach or manage the team in preseason. And Jose Mourinho bought one of those tickets. So I might see him pull up for Marine over the summer. You know, Jose Mourinho should have bought like 50 tickets because he can afford that. But no, credit to Spurs. And honestly, I was actually very impressed with Dele Alli. I know that this was an eight-league team and whatnot, but it's very easy for you as a professional player to say, I don't really need to do much. I just need to come here, kick the ball up and down, and it's just going to flow into the net. But I think he put on an extremely professional and classy performance. And I don't know if that means the rumors we've talked about with him trying to get a, you know, a move to PSG may materialize and he's showing he still has it, or he's just trying to prove himself to Jose. Either way, it was very classy from him to work hard that entire game. For sure. And and while I was watching it, his name, uh, the commentator said his name and my wife goes, Oh, I haven't heard that name in a while. And I was like, yeah, neither has Deli Alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but kudos. Hopefully he can rebuild from here or make his transfer and get back into you know playing time. For sure. So that, that rounds up the third round. And, and like we said, some some surprise results and some fun results in that Marine just had a great day out. So uh, we move on to some just some quick key round, fourth round ties. And, and it doesn't get any bigger than Manchester United versus Liverpool. Yeah, that is going to be a brilliant game. And honestly, a little bit exciting because you can talk about maybe one of the big boys getting knocked out a little bit early. But I will have my eyes on that game. And I'm sure we'll review it in detail as we preview it in detail as we get closer. We Yeah, we definitely will. And, and on the flip side, on the other side of Manchester, they keep somehow magically getting these, these good draws. I'm not going to say easy because there's no easy draws and any team can win, but... Manchester City traveled to Cheltenham Town for their fixture. And we could do a whole episode on, on the luck Manchester City have had, but it is what it is. You beat the teams you get. Uh, the next one would be Southampton or Shrewsbury versus Arsenal. The Southampton-Shrewsbury game was canceled due to COVID. So that will have to be played on a later date. But whoever wins that plays Arsenal. Bournemouth get to play Crawley Town, who we just spoke about. So that should be a good game. Wickham Wanderers play Tottenham. Sheffield United play Plymouth Argyle. And and this is one last game that I'm, I'm very excited about is Brentford versus Leicester. Yeah, that could make for a fun game as well. Yeah, so that, those are some of the key fixtures from the fourth round that are to come the weekend of the 23rd of January. And we'll, we'll preview them in more detail, like Jackie said. So let's move on. And I am very excited to talk about this because... We previewed this game in our last episode, and this is the Chelsea women's game against Reading women's. And and we're dedicating the, the title of this episode to Super Fran because it really was just her show. And, and she, she turned it into a hat-trick and then added a fourth goal just for a good measure against her old team. So talk about making a great day out and, and enjoying it. And, and she certainly did enjoy it. Yeah, she is in red hot form. I think you touched on her, not the last episode, but a few episodes ago where she's broken some record. Uh, it's brilliant to watch and just to see how how amazing and high quality football the Chelsea women's team is putting out right now. Definitely. And and so they win 5 nothing and jump up to second place in the table. And a reward for that is a United Manchester United coming to the King's Meadow for a top of the table clash because the Manchester United's at top of the table. And it's going to be an exciting game on Sunday as well. And I hope Super Fran, Sam Kerr, and, and G and, and some of the other girls give it to Manchester United. Yeah, they need to on behalf of the Chelsea men's team. But no, forget the men's team. This team is doing brilliantly and they deserve all their credit. So... For sure, I hope they destroy Manchester United. No, I'm kidding, guys. Hopefully, they can get a really competitive match, get a couple of goals, and go top of the league. Definitely. So, super friend, keep doing what you're doing, and and we're watching you and supporting you. Absolutely. So, Jackie, that that brings us to back to the Premier League. 
And it's game week 18. It's a little weird because not all the teams play. And Chelsea is one of those teams that doesn't play. But there's still enough games between Tuesday and Thursday to to get us excited and, and, and review it. So, uh, sorry, preview it. So let's get started. And we've just spoken about this team. Sheffield United play Newcastle. That is going to be an interesting game. And I know I say that a lot, but... Sheffield United coming off a win, Newcastle United coming off a loss, and not just a loss, it was a loss with hard fought going into extra time. So some of these teams may not have the squad depth as a Chelsea or a Man United or a Man City. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know how this is going to look. I really hope that Sheffield United can pip a point maybe or even win it because it's something I've just touched on where I feel like they deserve some points for their fans and working so hard. Yeah, I agree. And I think that last win in the FA Cup is going to give Sheffield United a lot of confidence and courage. And it may be a good time to be playing Newcastle because even though they've been doing decently recent in the recent times, they're still out there to be to be had. And, and Sheffield could easily do that on the back of their results. So I, I want to say Sheffield register their first win in the Premier League. Do you have a prediction on the score maybe? A three-two again, based on 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 what Sheffield did in, in the FA Cup, but it should be a good game. Yeah, I think it'll end one nil, maybe with Sheffield pipping this one. I think I'm more optimistic and excited that they might. So I'll be watching this one with a little bit of excitement here. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. The next one is Burnley versus Manchester United, and before we we give our predictions and just talk about it. United could go three points clear at the top of the table with the win. Now, I know that this means Liverpool still have a game in hand. So it doesn't mean that they're anyway far away from going back on level points with Man United. But I think Man United are going all out. I think they want this because you, you and I have talked about it. Mentally being at the summit of the Premier League, and I know we're past December now, you're at the halfway point. I think it means a lot. So I think Man United are going to go, and I think they're, they're going to go pretty aggressively. I think it's going to be 4-1 to Man United. Yeah, I, I don't see any other result but a Man United win. Now, it's the Premier League, and we've been surprised and, and shocked in the past. But like you said, Man United are at a point where they just want to keep going in this, in this league. And, and they see and they smell it that the top of the table is there. And their next game is against Liverpool. So going into that game... It, top of the table against the champions it's that's enough motivation for me and i'm not even a manchester united fan <laughs> yeah and burnley are not sitting high up on the table they're sitting in 16th so there's a little bit of a gulf in difference and i say a little bit i keep repeating the table is so strange this year with how close everybody everybody is on points but i agree with you there's no way man united don't walk out with that victory and I honestly hope they do because we've done this before and we come on the next podcast and we're always, you know, tail between our legs. Like, uh, yeah, so Burnley won. No, I think my United are going to win this game. Yeah, I, I think 3-1 to United. Uh, the next game is Wolves versus Everton. This should be fiery. Honestly, I think this is a well-matched up game where both sides have the quality to take each other toe-to-toe. Um, as I think about it a little bit with Wolves lacking a striker and Everton kind of being in a different place right and I think it's going to end nil-nil to be honest with you oh wow I yeah it was a lacking Raul Jimenez as you mentioned and Podent who's now out with a calf injury as well so they're missing some key players but they found a way to win or maybe that was just against Chelsea but they found a way to grind out some results and and I think Everton would like to bounce back from their last mm-hmm. defeat against West Ham so it, it should make a good game and I think Everton nick it 2-1 Okay. And Everton are sitting in seventh place with 29 points. And honestly, a win just bounces them up into fourth, depending on other results, of course. Uh, Wolves really need a win because they're sitting in 13th. So like I said, it'll be super, super exciting. Either way, as a neutral, I think it's a match to be tuned into. I I agree. And and from a Chelsea perspective, I hope Everton don't win, but... (laughs) <laughs> keeping things keeping things unbiased. I'm going to say Everton win it 2-1. Uh, right. the, the next game is Manchester City versus Brighton. So Brighton traveled to Manchester, and, and I think there's only one way this game's going to go. 
Do you know, I got to say overall, Brighton have been a surprise package, not in the fact that I understand they're sitting lower in the table. In fact, they actually sit in 17th, but I think some of the football they play, some of the players they have are good. Just based on Manchester City's recent results and performances, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way Brighton are going to score in this game. I think it's going to end with Manchester City 3, Brighton 0. I agree. And and again, this is for Manchester City, an opportunity to to make up one of the games. They have a couple of games in hand, so make up one of those and, and jump just a point behind Liverpool. And so... Definitely. And and it's getting into that point where these big teams have the motivation and, and they see the top of the table in sight. So I agree. I think Manchester Manchester City go on and win it for nothing. All right. So it should be a high scoring game, that one. Yeah. The and so the the next game, and it's one of the last ones on the list, is Tottenham Hotspurs versus Fulham. So before we get into this game. Spurs were actually due to play Aston Villa. And due to Villa's ongoing COVID issues, you may remember from the last episode, we said they couldn't put out a whole first team for the FA Cup against Liverpool. And so some of those issues have carried on and and they can't make it to this game on on Wednesday. So the FA decides, you know what? We've still got to have a game and Spurs still have to play. So we're just going to have them play Fulham, who they didn't play a couple of weeks ago and decided that 48 hours before the game, and consequently decided we're also going to move Chelsea's game against Fulham on Friday evening to now a Saturday evening kickoff. When it rains, it pours, so poor Fulham are just feeling the full effect of this downpour. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate. I think the only thing I can take out of it is the game has to be played at some time, and with such a packed congestion fixture list, it's going to hit you one way or the other. So if you're Fulham, I think it sucks just because of where you are in the table and you're fighting for your life. But again, you just got to move forward and do what you can in this wild season. I agree, but I just, the FA has done so well with COVID up until the last month or so where they've just kind of lost the plot and, and are now trying to fit games and, and just make their TV money any way possible. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> But coming back to the Spurs and Fulham game, it should be a good game, and, and I think Spurs should win it. But Fulham have had some decent results over the past month or so. Yeah, so Fulham actually have four draws on the trot. So they are due a win, which, you know, this is a London derby as well. So this one could get pretty exciting. And the manager of Fulham, Scott Parker, actually played quite a bit of football for Tottenham himself. So he knows Tottenham inside and out. But you know, something about Jose Mourinho and you can smell blood in the water because they are pretty tight to the top as well. I think he's going to win this game 2-0. Yeah, Fulham have actually done well with those draws as well. They've kept a couple of clean sheets. One of those draws was against Liverpool and the other one against Southampton. So they've found some results against the teams at the top, but I don't think they can do that against Tottenham who rested Harry Kane and Son. So those two are fresh and ready to go. And like you said, they they know they're close to the top of the table. So I think they win it 3-1. Okay. Be a, definitely an interesting derby to watch. Yes. And the last game is another London derby between Arsenal and Crystal Palace. That is another exciting game. Because I think, honestly, when you say derby, people turn up unless you're Chelsea and then you get slaughtered in a derby. No, that's a horrible joke. But no, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Crystal Palace, I think, are due uh, a big win, maybe. Not necessarily a win, per se, but a big win. I just don't see how they're going to get it against Arsenal just because of current results, current form. I think Arsenal are going to win this one, too, now. Oh, wow. I I think Crystal Palace find a draw in this game. And, and Arsenal's luck and Christmas present that we gave them starts to, to come to an end. But again, it's based off Arsenal's game against Newcastle where they were okay and didn't really score until the extra time. And and Crystal Palace, who, yes, they lost to Wolves in the FA Cup, but they they need to pick up some points before they get dragged into that relegation zone. So I think they'll come in and, and keep it tight and try to nick it on, on the counter. And for my fantasy team, I hope that counter ends with a Zaha goal. But no, I, I think it ends a draw and then maybe 1-1. 
Yeah, I honestly thought you only picked a draw and won one because you wanted Zaha to score so you could take some points in fantasy. But <laughs> and oh, by the way, you know, speaking of fantasy, Rahul was very kind enough here to explain some of the rules. So if anybody plays, you need to pay attention to this. If you have players on the bench that don't necessarily play because they're second choice, go look at the fixture list that we've reviewed. If you have players that can make it onto the field, please select them because the way this particular game week is going to work is it's going to award points to those that play versus some players. So if you have Chelsea players, for example, and we don't have a game this week, they're automatically getting zeros. And there's only so many substitutions you can do. So please make sure you sub in your players and pick as, as good a squad as you can. If you can afford it, do some transfers last minute before you before it goes out. Yeah, that that's a good shot and, and so a good heads up for some of the FPL players out there. Not you, Nikesh. <laughs> well, speaking of Nikesh, why don't you take us to a question that we asked a couple of podcast episodes ago and uh, talk about who the correct answers came from. Yeah, so we reviewed uh, a blast from the past a few episodes ago, and I spoke about Mario Melchior moving from Ajax to Chelsea on a free transfer. But free transfers weren't a thing until 1995, and, and it was one player, and our question was, who was this player that fought for this ruling, and what was this ruling called? So the correct answer is it was Jean-Marc Bossman, who was the player, and he fought for the Bosman ruling, which allowed free transfers in, in soccer or football. And, and that's what's really helped since then for players to move at the end of their contract between leagues and, and countries. So the right answers came from at Nikesh00, I just mentioned him, and at Project Gold. So, so good job to both of you for getting it right and, and participating in our, in our uh, trivia. Yeah, I love when the fans get involved in the trivia. We'll start to look for some good questions for you guys to start answering because that was a toughie. And I know we had several people actually messages on the side saying, oh, this is one that stumped them. But I'm glad some people got it out there. Yeah, for sure. And and we'll we'll try to continue doing this, like Jackie said, and, and hopefully more of you will, will engage and, and comment and get it right. But that wraps, wraps it up, Jackie. It's It's been... A good episode in that we reviewed the FA Cup, we reviewed our games, we reviewed the women's game and, and the Premier League. And it's good to have the Premier League back. And so we'll yeah. we'll we'll be back later this week to review the games from the midweek and preview some of the games coming up next week and and, and into the following week. Uh but it's been great and, and I, I thank you all for listening. And, and engaging with us and connecting with us. We're reading your comments. Uh, most recently saw a review from Zenith Rye on Apple. So thank you for that. And please continue to, to share, like, subscribe, follow. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the Premier Chels. So connect with us and, and keep an eye out for our trivia and our posts. You may have most recently seen, as Jackie would say, Baby Wadu on, on our Instagram. So We'll try to post more personal photos as well as, as trivia stuff. So thank you all. And, and we'll be back later this week. Thank you all. Bye.